Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 118 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Before we uh, even get into anything this week on, on the show, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm running a little hot, man. Sitting around this weekend, watching just cards that I just found myself on the couch like, what am I doing? Why am I even watching this? Just this, this shit cards that have been the last two or three weeks in boxing. Sitting there on the couch, and I'm like, I, I, I just, all these thoughts are coming to me. I, I, I got to give my little, what I view as the, the state of boxing in America right now. It, it basically starts like this, man. Right now, the UK is kicking our ass across the board. It's become the center of, of the boxing universe right now. They got 14 champions. Picked up two more this weekend. Hearn, Warren, and the boys over there just bebopping and scatting, dude, with all the bling. Over here in the United States, we're, we've lost it, dude. We've lost the narrative. Uh, I, I don't know what is going on. I mean, right now, this whole week, you hear people more concerned about a fucking Twitter beef between A.C. Slater and a retard with a $200 camera who sniffs fighters' asses for a living. <laughs> Ask them what their favorite color is and their favorite pizza topping is. That, that's the coverage we get from this guy, Ellie Secback. That, that's where we are right now. Everybody's <laughs> so concerned. I mean, there's articles being written about it by boxing writers. It's, it's a fucking joke. Just the, the coverage of the sport right now is abysmal. But besides from you know, a few guys, Kim, Fisher, then you get the Coppingers and the the fucking, I watch out of the corner of my, my Ioli, Kevin Ioli, just <laughs> barely got an eye on the sport, but he's always got an opinion. It, 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 it's, it's just terrible, man. Nobody being held accountable. You, you throw in shitty promotion, then you got sanctioning body bullshit and, mm-hmm. and, and commission bullshit. It's just a mess, dude. Yeah. A complete mess. And look, I, I, I'm sure people are hearing this right now and they're going, dude, Quit being a little whiny little bitch. You either like boxing or you don't. Well, sorry. You know, I, I, this is take it or leave it. I'm giving it to you. I don't give a shit what you think. This is what I think right now. It's bullshit. Because I, I, I'll tell you this, man. I, I have loved this sport from, dude, I can, I can pinpoint the day. I know when it happened. When was it? I, uh, November 27, 1985. Four and a half years old. The most vivid early memory of my life. Wow. My dad taking me to see Rocky IV. Dude, I, it's snowing. We're waiting in line outside the theater. I'm standing up on my seat at the end of that <laughs> fight, screaming, yelling, and from that day forward, that was it. That set in motion this retarded love that I have for the sport that's <laughs> driving me fucking mad right now. 
I mean, absolutely mad. I, 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 after that, I'd wake up in the mornings after I saw Rocky Four. We had one, two, three, four on tape. I'd come downstairs, wake up before everybody. I'd watch all four. Just the fights, the training montage and the fights. <laughs> Shadow boxing in the Yo, living room. Oh, dude. My dad would wake up in the morning, come down and be like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? And th- that's where my love from this sport started. He, him taking me to see Tyson and, and his rise to fame. And then, you know, on to the to Tito Trinidad's and, and the B-hops of the world and Oscar De La Hoya. And then to Floyd Mayweather. I mean, dude, I've been, I've been there through it all. Right. I have dropped coin on the sport. <laughs> I, I, I venture to say that going to fights and pay-per-views and all that. Dude, I've spent $15,000 on boxing. So I get fired up thinking about it now. Like, dude, I've invested my time. And, and for whatever reason, I can't get away from the sport. No matter how much it pisses me off, it drives me absolutely nuts. What is going on? I... I Thank you, Brad. <laughs> I, I feel like it's like this, and I, and I feel like this as a boxing fan. We line up every Saturday or whenever the fight is. We're all lined up at the at the at the feeding trough. Yeah, and the same thing comes out ninety nine out of a hundred times. It's shit. Mm-hmm. And they say, "Here, you want a straw or a spoon? You know, lap that shit up, you bum." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude. I, honestly, an analogy would be, I could lead a fucking mouse through a maze a hundred times. Zap him 99 times in the ass, but give him cheese once, he'll be back uh, every time. And that's a fucking boxing fan right there, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's a fucked up analogy, but it, it, it really We're is. all just in this uh, rat race. Dude, and they got, your, they got their hands in your pocket the entire time. And I, I, I'm just sorry, man. That no one in the sport has respect for the history of the sport right now. There, no. there's, everybody's just worried about stuffing their pockets as quick, and, as quick as they possibly can. And, dude, if shit don't change... I mean, boxing is already the back. It's a backroom sport. It is slipping further and further into the darkness, and it will disappear if something does not fucking change. I mean, dude, we're boxing circle in the toilet right now. (laughs) I'm serious. It's in a long swirl. It's just a big old log, man. It's getting ready to go down, and I don't want it to go down. I want to see the sport thrive, but the shit that's going on in this country right now with this sport is a fucking joke, and it, dude, it's a... needs to get cleaned up now. Look, I'll leave it at that. At least we got a fight this weekend that may uh, reinvigorate my love for the sport. But God damn, Ken. I mean, I was just, dude, I was fired up this weekend. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell, man. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, dude, we got some comments on our YouTube channel um, about our lack of enthusiasm when we were doing Last week's 30-minute show was the shortest show we've ever done before. Yeah, there wasn't much to talk about, was there? No, there wasn't. And that is the state that that boxing is in. I mean, it's so, like, look, I feel like right now, and wherever it is hot, I do not blame any of the fans or the fighters for just basking in the glow, basking in the sunlight. And right now, shit is popping off in the U.K. Yep. But it's gotten to such a, a a fever pitch over there that the casual fans are thinking fights that involve Paul Smith that this is a comeback and and now he's at world level and that they they can just parade these guys out there. I mean, look, the Tony Bellew Makubu fight, which we'll get into here in a little bit. That entire card was so 
damn gratuitous past the main event. Oh, yeah. So damn gratuitous. And what it was for was to just line pockets with the names that are big over there because boxing's so hot in the U.K. right now Mm -hmm. that they can lop it up. And you know what? Similar things happen here in the United States when Mayweather and Pacquiao uh, were basically out in front paving the way the Tiger Woods effect in, in some sense, but the level of money and attention that those two were getting, everybody started to get rich. Yeah. And now that that is windling away, it's almost like everybody is just basically pushing each other out of the way for the scraps because that's all that seems to remain as we move forward into this season. This this season started off, and I, I look, I'm not going to speak to no Very why. promising. I mean, I understand why you feel the way that you do, but some of it has to do with the letdown the excitement leading up into the season, it started off really well and then just fell into this. It's, it's, it's like they, it's like this self-sabotage that boxing has, you know, they cannot help themselves. Positive steroid tests galore coming out in the last two months. We had more people test positive for steroids and boxing the last two years combined. Well, it's because they're actually finally testing everybody now. Yeah. (laughs) You can't, you can't cheat in the sport anymore. No. Um, you know, cancel, it, it leads to cancellations of big fights. Then you have people that just cannot put down the limelight. Attention whores. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. I've, oh. I've lost all respect for Conor McGregor, man. He got bitched in his last fight, and now he's acting like a little bitch and acting like he deserves something. Well, guess what, bud? You're coming off of a loss. And so if, that, if you need to put your name while you're in dispute with the UFC over your financial situation about the fact that you you think that you deserve a larger cut because you had a meeting with Al Heyman and he got in your ear and told you that you could be the Floyd Mayweather of the UFC, well, guess what? Even with Floyd's hand-picked opponents throughout his entire career, Floyd never lost, nope. and McGregor is coming off of a horrible, horrible beating, which some are accusing him that he went to the ground against Diaz just to get it over with. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I believe he did. He was getting pummeled. Yes, absolutely. If, if you're getting cracked by Nate Diaz in exchanges, what is Floyd Mayweather going to do to oh. you? Have you seen video of, uh, of McGregor sparring? Dude, he, I, he would lose to a journeyman. He'd lose to a 500 fighter. Yeah. He'd lose to Michelle DiRocco. Yeah. But 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 you and I both know that this entire thing is total bullshit. Yes. All it is is promotion for two people that are out of the spotlight right now to keep their name relevant. Just like the NFL has 365 year-round coverage. There's always something on TV. They make every little bullshit event that they do into some gigantic TV thing so they can keep their name relevant and rake in the dollars during the downtime. This is what Mayweather and McGregor are doing. And what it's doing is it's showing you if this is the biggest thing, like you said, Mario Lopez and Ellie Secback beef and fucking Mayweather McGregor are the two biggest uh, things happening in boxing right now. That, that leaves every website's page. That's their two top headlines. It is such a an, an absolute joke. And, it is. And, and, and you know what, man? Look, I get it. If, if, if Lopez wants to you know punch a guy like Ellie Sec, uh, Secback in the face for talking shit, please do. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I can't stand the guy. I think he's horrible for boxing. I think he feeds those that hate the sport. He feeds those in the sport that that that, that want to keep uh, pay-per-view sales and purses and flat-brim hats with, um, you know, mall kiosk inscriptions, TBE, TMT. You know what? I'll show up at your gym. I'll give you a blowjob. I'll, I'll put on your T-shirt, and I'll wear your hat as long as I can point my $300 camera at you like you said. Right. Dude, it's a joke. And you know what? Lopez should just cut this shit out or get him in the ring and knock him out. But if, if boxing writers are spending their time talking about a fucking two-bit YouTube hack and 
a, a, a guy that has, is, is far more accomplished and successful and does not need Ellie Sackback in his life no. whatsoever. I mean, if this is what's leading the day, it's like all these guys, man, it, it's, it's a disease. Guys like Sackback, guys like Coppinger, guys like Ioli. People say, oh, well, why do you guys always have to bitch about the media? Well, if you're paying attention to the fucking sport, you know what we are talking about. Yeah. So I understand why you get pissed and leave nasty comments when we talk about the state of boxing like this because the fact remains is that you just don't know what's going on in boxing. So pay closer attention and, 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 and maybe have an opinion. Stop believing what everybody tells you because as long as there's people out there that walk around blind, casually tune into the sport, and engage in these conversations about shit they know nothing about, it just becomes, like you said, you're circling the toilet. But I don't even know if it's going downwards. It just seems to me the last three years, and maybe it is coming to a head, maybe it is on its way down, but it's just like a dog fucking chasing its tail. It is. Around and around and around and around. Every once in a while, it stops to eat its own poop. (laughs) That's it right there, baby. You know what I mean? I mean, dude, do you ever wonder why it's like, dude, no matter what I do to this dog, no matter how much training I put it through, it still eats its own shit. Yeah. That's like I said, man, the mouse in the maze. Yeah, dude. You 99 know, times you zap its ass. One time you give it cheese. No, it's coming just, back. There's just not enough quality out there, man. There's not enough quality. No. Th- every diehard boxing fan is entitled to their opinion about things. But you really look at the end of the day right now. I don't even look. The fans that have these ridiculous opinions are not as ridiculous as the promoters that perpetuate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they the, feed it, man. Yeah, and those that are in charge of it. So hold on a second. So Bob Arum says he's taken Al Heyman all the way to the grave with this lawsuit, then settles with him. Now he's getting sued by Showtime over $600,000 of the $600 million that they made for Mayweather Pacquiao, too. Now Showtime is suing Arum. I mean, it's, dude, it's like... Boxing, what do these fucking federal judges think when all these cases that have very little precedence whatsoever, they, 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 they can't even get to the bottom of it because there's not enough information. Nobody wants to open their books. They push it to the limit where it's like, ah, oh, we're about to get a little close to discovery. Better <laughs> pump the brakes and pull it back because we're not opening our books. <laughs> and the judges just look at them like, you guys are fucking retarded. Yeah, they, uh, I'm surprised they even uh, the judge just doesn't go, I, we don't have time for this. Go. Yes. Go go to uh, Judge Judy. Yeah. Why don't you guys get together in a room and fucking unite and, and, and form one boxing commission? Why can't you do that? Because uh, there wouldn't be enough money to go around for everybody. No, nope, so we'll just keep on half-ass suing. Because what ends up happening is, whether there's a settlement or not, all that these lawsuits do in boxing, the number one impact that they have, I would say 90% of results that come from all these suits and countersuits is a gigantic lull and a break in anything positive developing and the movement forward of this sport into the future. That's all it does. It just throws up fucking walls. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever wins. They might get a couple million here for a settlement to make up for a shitty fight that didn't make any money. Right. Let's water it down a little more, guys. Let's water down the sport. Let's let's just make it bland. No no good fights. Uh, It's all over the fucking dial. You never know what channel it's on. The announcer's calling the fights here. Has this guy even watched boxing before, or did he just do two hours of studying in his hotel room the night before, and he came out and has nothing to offer? No. It's it just, I, I don't fucking get it, man. Uh, it's, it's a, I, I've never thought that I'd be this pissed, as pissed as I have been lately about the sport. Dude, I'm not, I'll start streaming everything. Fuck it. I don't pay shit. I'm not going to pay anything anymore. No. Fuck that. No. I don't care. 
I, dude, I don't have HBO or Showtime anymore. I mean, it's it's a joke. Yeah. No, I'm not, dude, I'm not paying for it anymore. I'm not watching much of the PBC You're going to miss the fight game, Ken. Oh, the fight game. So they can fucking refresh my memory about the shit we talked about on our show 30 days before the fucking episode aired. <laughs> and they act like it, that's what's happening right now. There's already been fucking 20 fights. There's already been 20 <laughs> fights. There's already been two fight cards on your network. Yeah. It, and, and, you're, and you're telling me, you're giving me your pound-for-pound pound rankings that all you do is put Andre Ward and, and Triple G, Kovalev, Crawford and Pacquiao's name in a fucking hat, and you just pick out a new one every week. You know what I mean? What about the Gotti list, though, man? The Gotti list. Who cares? It's, it, this is the problem with this show. This is boxing in a nutshell. That show should be relevant. It should be a weekly boxing show that talks about that's, that's the only way you can keep up with this sport. You cannot do a podcast for this sport and only do one podcast a month. No. It does not work everybody wants the information now there's so much shit going around the world that is always happening constantly happening you know oh, dude it's just it's fucking oh it's so wild man it's a circus buddy it is a circus it is it is and um you know what it looks like the pbc uh won't be around very much longer no and it looks like it looks like that francisco vargas orlando salito this weekend at the StubHub followed by a weekend headline by Vasily Lomachenko and Rocky Martinez. And then we start Thurman Porter down the line. The fights, as long as none of these get canceled, Vince, it, I think we will have enough sunlight to uh, uh, have us recharged and refreshed. I hope so, man. I mean, look, even with the – we've seen a, probably a three or eh, maybe a five-week stretch – where we've been getting just unbelievable knockouts. There's been like six knockout-of-the-year candidates. Yeah. And you'd think that that's, nah, it, it, there's still something, there's fucking something missing. And guess what kind of spoiled the mood for most people? I've already said it before. Like, if you want to argue about Arizlandi Lara, just unfollow or don't listen to the show. Because, yeah. look, Arizlandi Lara and headlining that fight is what basically that and the Wilder Povetkin fight getting called off. Those were the two things that just left fans like, what is this shit? Yeah. What is this shit? Yeah. Yep. Like, Erzondi Lara. Like, Vonis Martirosian too. Danny Jacobs. Why are you fighting Sergio Mora again? Oh, my God. You know, like, 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 what is the point of any of this? Like, wh- why do they feel the need to fill these slots? Well, guess what? Because they can't afford their guys they anymore. Think, they think fans are stupid, man. They don't realize. Uh, and look, there is a major group that don't pay attention enough to the sport to even realize. But anybody who's got their ear to the tracks of boxing, they, they, they come on, man. We know that Jacobs and Mora, that means nothing. Who's that? What's that? Decide who's the fifth and sixth best middleweight in the world? It's, Maybe. It's pointless. Yes. It is pointless. Like much of Danny Jacobs' career, it has been pointless. You know what? I, I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world for doing what he's done and, and, and being a survivor. But, I mean, when it comes to – at some point, that stuff kind of has to be set to the side. And we have to, like, show respect to the sport and not create this farcical bullshit where this guy's not one of the best middleweights look, in the world. Look, overcoming odds like Danny Jacobs did does not take back the Dimitri Pirog knockout. No. You know what I mean? It does not rewind the tape to, you know, take back the sentiments of where boxing is right now and that most people genuinely feel that Danny Jacobs is purely a paper champ. It, in every, every sense of the definition and explanation of what a paper champion means, 
He is gallivanting around, parading himself as the middleweight champion, but is not even the middleweight champion in the sanctioning body which he holds the belt. Well, can you blame him? Because everybody calls him the middleweight champion. I mean, it, the, the, the media, the coverage in this country, at least most of them, like I said before, there's some that don't, but most of them, they will call him that. Yes, it's, I know. No, no, don't fucking do that. That's, what are you doing? Stop. Yes, well, I don't understand. Like... It's like a dude. It's just like a lie that gets out of control. You, you tell one lie thinking it's going to be meaningless, right? And then the next thing you know, you're so far deep into your fucking train of lies that you can't even remember what you said three or four lies ago. <laughs> you, I mean, seriously, hey, it, it I've, evolves, I've been there before. It evolves, yeah. <laughs> it evolves and 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 ends up creating a monster. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a, it's a downhill snowball effect that gains momentum, and then what happens is is you're left in a situation. Like Arislandi Lara standing there with Vonis Martirosian's dick in his hand. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? I mean, yes. that, they're left standing there like, oh, what happened? What happened? Yeah. But I called out Golovkin. Oh, but, yeah. You know, but I, but, but I want that fight because I say I want that fight. But now you know that they're going to throw up every roadblock there is to consummate the fight. Let me ask you a question. We're going to talk about this at the end of the show. Before we get into the post fights and previews and the, uh, the second half of this show. Erislandi Lara. What about Erislandi Lara's career, Vince, tells you, what about his track record at 160 pounds tells you that he would even go four rounds with Gennady Golovkin? What has he done at 160 pounds? Has he ever fought anybody there? Nope. So what about that career at 160 where he's never fought anybody over 154 pounds? What does that tell you? I mean, does that tell you that he'll definitely win, he'll dominate because he has... You know, because he's the the sweet science sexy boxer out there. If you think Ayers Lar gives Triple G trouble past six rounds, you you don't you you don't know shit about boxing to to steal that fucking. If term. you make the comment, I'm sorry. If 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 Angulo can stalk you and drop you, what do you think Triple Twice. G is going to do? Twice. Angulo maybe had heavy hands, maybe, but he was not that big of a puncher. No, he was not a one punch guy. Uh, there's Londi Lara went down from one left hook. Have I you, remember that. Have you ever seen Gennady Golovkin backing away from his opponent in, no. re, in retreat no. and getting knocked down twice while running away? You, there, you, can't, you can only run for so long from Golovkin. Look, I, I'll take it one step further. You don't hear many people saying this, but I'll say this. If you believe that Ayers Londi Lara and for all of his fans tout his superior boxing acumen, mm-hmm. if you believe that Ayers Londi Lara is a superior boxer, than Gennady Golovkin. I'm not talking about uh, him coming up in weight and the power advantage by Golovkin. I'm talking about pure boxing ability. If you think that Erzlandi Lara is a superior boxer to Gennady Golovkin, you have no idea what you're watching. Go sit in the corner in that dark little corner over there Fast and, and watch fucking Rigo and Lara fights because you, my friend, are in the shadows. Yeah, it, it, it's not... Not everything is, is fast hands and, and, and quick feet. That's not all boxing is. It looks good when you have that. It's definitely a plus. But I'm sorry, man. What Triple G brings is the most well-rounded, yes, well-rounded bag of tools in the sport. Yes. Him, him and Kovalev and Ward, those three guys right now, uh, th- those are the most well-rounded fighters we have, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You can throw Chocolatito in there. Yeah. But- forget, I always forget about the little guys, man. Oh, it's all good, man. He's at the top. He's like, he's yeah. like, we were only talking about two through five. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's that. 
I take it to that level because, look, you, you can have all these stupid arguments where, oh, this is my opinion, that's my opinion, this is my opinion, oh, you know, he would do this to Golovkin and he would do that to Lara. The fact is is that Golovkin is a superior boxer. Yep. He is the bigger fighter. Yep. He is the best fighter in boxing at cutting off the ring. Yep. He does everything that Erzlandi Lara cannot handle. And what we've shown, what, what we've seen when Erzlandi Lara has been hurt, he's usually retreating against the ropes. And if Golovkin hits him one time with a left hook to the body, I'm sorry, that little tiny ballerina waist will fold like a lawn chair. Or them arms will drop and that right hand's coming right up top. Yeah. So just stop. It's not going to fucking happen. And if it does, Golovkin's going to murder him. Yeah. So let's just just stop. Go go watch uh, Erzlandi Lara versus Angulo over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and keep and keep screenshotting the one punch that Lara landed before he got floored. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. I, I can't. Uh, that guy to me is I, I don't care to see him fight ever again. Uh, I, look, I, I really don't. It, I, I don't either. It speaks to the it, it speaks to the promotion and the relevance of these fighters. Yeah. You know what I mean? The superstars are basically, look, HBO wants to have all the superstars, right? Well, HBO having all the superstars has caused them to not be able to afford to put all their superstars on TV the amount of times that they need to be. Yeah. It's like this double-edged sword. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're struggling right now. Yeah, and and and, and look, good fights on the horizon, a lot of good fights on the horizon. We don't want to pour with a, a show full of, 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 of just the state of boxing, the criticisms of it, but we have not ranted in a very long time. Vince, no. I appreciate you starting the fire, <laughs> and I was more than happy to throw gasoline on I, it. I see that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right, so we did not uh, – thank you for tuning in. 25 minutes into this show, thanks for tuning in to Episode 118 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel, and, of course, you can find the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on Google play be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not already hit us up on twitter at the boxing rant and of course at vince cummings 81 and my twitter at kenny keith jr give us a follow we appreciate all of you taking time out of your busy days this is episode 118 vince and i will be back this upcoming saturday night as we bring you the next edition of the boxing rant live for vargas versus salito from the action uh fight mecca the StubHub Center. Then are you looking forward to the next Boxing Rant Live? I cannot wait, my friend. That that fight, there's no chance that fight does not deliver huge, in, oh. my, in my opinion. Yes, it's going to be epic. And we'll have that preview here coming up. And then we'll be back next week to do the post-fight yep. of uh, Vargas versus Salido. A lot of post-fight uh, to deliver. And, of course, a preview of Vasily Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez for the 130-pound WBO strap. Another good scrap, hey, man. Look, they, they heard the bitching from me. It's, mm-hmm. it's a love-hate relationship, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Provodnikov, Molina, a little, yeah. gr- little gratuitous action. Yep. Um, and, of course, Demetrius Andre returns to the ring in a, in a, in a tough draw in Willie Nelson. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again. He's always a guy that I, I could not stand the bullshit outside of the ring from him when he's not fighting. But that guy has talent, man. He yeah, he does. Very well, could be the best 154 pounder in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's like okay. So the only fight I really care to see at 154 is Demetrius Andre versus J Rock. That's all I want to see. Yeah, that's probably the best fight in the division. Yep, probably the best fight you could make style wise. I think if you asked everybody surrounding that division with the you know with eyes on it and knows everything about it, they'd tell you that. And it's like, what? 
Well, then why don't they fight? But Vin, Laura, he's going for the all-time record number of consecutive defenses, Vin. Oh, he's running, what, the, uh, the Indy 500? Keep piling yeah. up those Ishe Smiths and Caleb Truexes. They, they ought to put a Harris Londy Lara fight on after the Indy 500 every year. Oh, they absolutely. Missed it. They missed it by a week this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. If I, was a, if I was a horse owner that competed in the Triple Crown, I would name my horse Ayers Londy Lara. Because <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that some bitch would run. oh all right so there's your rundown so let's go ahead and uh, we'll kick this thing off right here on episode 118 uh thanks for bearing with us as we rant here on the pound for pound king of boxing podcast the tale of the tape this past sunday night vince this is how down in the dumps i was about boxing i mean i had the ultimate brain fart it actually wasn't a brain fart i just acted like a casual fan (laughs) And I send out a tweet on Saturday. I'm sitting around just relaxing, three-day weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to just rest my feet uh, for the upcoming work week. And I send out a tweet. So, uh, anybody got a link for the Bellu Makubu fight? I saw it, man. I was like, oh. Oh, man. They're like, "Uh, hey, bud, uh, that's tomorrow. You're about 22 hours too early. (laughs) And I said, oh, my gosh. And, of course, I just was sitting there on the couch thinking, oh, it's Saturday. I was looking at Twitter. You're, Rick, you're a casual admit. Yeah. I, I, dude, I see Ricky Burns knock somebody out. I'm just assuming it's the same card, not even thinking. <laughs> oh, man, what a horrible, uh, horrible relapse <laughs> into casualdom. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, finally, uh, Sunday came. Tony Bellew, Alunga Makubu, WBC cruiserweight title on the line from Liverpool, England. Uh, I had Makubu in this fight. Then you had Bellew over the distance? Yes. And the result turned out to be a very highly charged, highly aggressive, um, and nonstop motor. This version of Tony Bellew that I saw against Makubu, and we've given him a lot of heat because he's just kind of a prick, you know, know, Bellew. Eh, But in this fight, I'll tell you what, I I have to give Tony Bellew credit. He brought it. His motor was nonstop, and he dared to be great, man. I know it was Makubu, and you have criticisms about his resume, and I understand, and I'm, I'm sure you'll go into that, but... Either way, this fight for the WBC Cruiserweight title, Tony Bellew came out, answered all the questions, answered all the doubters, and delivered a very inspired performance. He did. He did. Uh, All credit due to Tony Bellew. uh, In front of his home crowd, delivers another knockout of the year candidate. I mean, just lays out Makubu. Laid him out. That left hook was vicious. Ah, So short, so, uh, I mean, just dead on the end of the chin and put him to sleep immediately. But it followed a succession of straight rights that were just brutal. Oh, I I saw it, and Bellew confirmed what I saw watching in the first round. I saw him hit Makubu to the body one time, and it looked like Makubu was that close to just just curling up and going down to a knee. It probably made him at least sharp, right? Oh, yeah. He pooped a little bit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, look, man. I, my only, and I don't, I take nothing away from Bellew in this fight. The way he came out after the fight and, and just went <laughs> insane on the mic. I mean, you could tell the emotions were running high, and he's calling himself the best cruiserweight in the world. And, and, and go ahead, man. You could do that. I'm not, the, you know, you just beat a, a, a guy that, Everybody thought was was some type of of killer, and, and his record and knockout percentage would make you believe that. But if you and I didn't say much about it before the fight, just because it wasn't really a fight that I was that concerned about, so I didn't feel like going into it. But I just thought everybody kind of like I I just wanted to say, has everybody been watching like the last six fights from uh, Makubu that they they know? I mean, on paper, yeah. 
Did you I, catch those six fights in South Africa? Yeah, did you? <laughs> where, where could I, I missed the stream for that one? Because I I watch a lot of boxing. I I'm pretty sure I would have caught a couple of those. I I, I just thought he was a little overrated. I definitely I, overrated him. I, I I will admit I overrated him. He, he knocked out a bunch of guys that we don't know anything about. No, not really, not and, really. I mean, and, and Bellew is not a bum. This Bellew was his toughest fight. He, he beat Glenn Johnson at the age of 46. Makubu. Big deal. That means nothing. Yeah, it, it means nothing. Um, no, I agree with you. I, I, I think a lot of people did. I definitely did. Um, and you know what? It's also kind of my opinion on Bellew. I just think Bellew is a lower-end top-10 fighter. He may do well at cruiserweight. We will see. What I know about this fight is Bellew mastered the art of shit-talking in oh, this he fight. Did. He got in Makubu's face at the weigh-in. Uh, Makubu crumbled under pressure. And the way that Tony Bellew brought the relentlessness, he backed up his posturing in the pre-fight, and he came in and delivered. And most of the time, I just feel that Tony Bellew's a blowhard. Yeah. A lot like David Hay and a lot like Chris Eubank Jr. Oh, yeah. But at least Tony Bellew gets in there, and he'll put it all on the line. Sometimes it's not very, it's not very appealing. He never looks like he's in shape. He's always doughy and kind of fat around the tummy. He's got a good jab, but he's very vanilla, very basic. I didn't think I, that his power would be that effective um, making a launch into the cruiserweight full-time. You know well, what I mean? Well, and, yeah. And it came through in this fight. But that may go to show you that Makubu's toughest fight was Glenn Johnson at 46 years yeah, old. Had, had Makubu ever been hit by a top-10 cruiserweight? He hadn't. No. And, and I'm not, I mean, Bellew doesn't have huge crunching power, but he's a solid, he's an above-average power puncher. Sure, for sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, dude, the straight punches leading up to that uh, – that short left hook that ended it in the third round. I mean, Bellew was pounding him. And, 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 you know, sometimes the opponent, when they're getting hit so flush and hard like that, they'll fly back a little bit. Makubu was kind of still standing his ground. His feet were kind of in a wide stance. So he was absorbing it, making those punches seem and sound oh, yeah. so much more concussive. Yeah, Bellew was lining those shots up. I mean, he didn't even have – they weren't like rapid succession combination punches – he would like stick his arm out, measure the right hand, and, and I mean, just loading up. And yeah. Kubu just sat there in the guard, and the guard got he split it yeah. I, right down the middle. No, I mean, punched right through it. Yeah, he did. It was it was crazy. I, a performance that nobody expected. And I mean, I think a lot of it goes to saying, you know, when you fight in front of your home crowd, there's there's a little bit more. You got a sure. little bit more mojo, a little oh, bit more juice. There's an advantage fighting at home in the UK. We've seen it with Frampton when he fights in, in Belfast. You see it with Bellew. I think you see it with... We saw it with Frotch and Nottingham. Yeah, you see it with Frotch and... Not, I mean, just the way that those crowds crowds are, which that crowd was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, the chants during that fight were some of the loudest I've ever heard during a fight. Yeah, it was rowdy. I mean, the, the atmospheres they create, how can you not have a little extra from that? You, it's a, I think it would be impossible. Yeah, 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 no doubt about it. He was charged for sure. I mean, he got dropped, and, and, and it was a flash knockdown in the first round. Because he just walked into a punch. Yeah, that, but that, that, that happening can suck somebody's confidence. Oh, yeah, it can, definitely. And it can I, burst that bubble. Right, and I think he, you heard him after the fight. He said, you know, I, I've been dreaming about this fight for the last three weeks, and every time I lose. And after you get dropped, after, you know, having that leading into the fight, how could you not be like, yep, it's coming true. I'm going <laughs> down. Uh, there you have it. Tony Bellew lifts the WBC Cruiserweight Championship with a third-round knockout of Alunga Makubu. So now the cruiserweight division, which may be the most interesting division right now in boxing, 
um, right there. You know, wide open, man. Wide open. These fighters seem to fight a little bit more often than, than the heavyweights do. So even though there is a lot going on at the heavyweight division, there's still it's kind of in a stagnant hold right now, especially with the recent developments with yeah. with Anthony Joshua fighting against Brazil, with uh, Ortiz not being able to get a a legitimate fight. Wilder's probably going to fight Chris Ariola or you know, uh, Ustinov, Gerald Washington, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You know what I mean? So the heavyweight division is kind of on, on layaway right now as a cruiserweight division, um, uh, really begins to heat up, man. And Tony Bellew is right now in the mix there. Um, uh, probably put him in the top five cruiserweights in the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the legitimate you one here, yeah, you know, and Bellew's got a decent resume pedigree behind him, much better than Makubu's anyways. Um, but right now, man, the cruiserweight division, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man, I I don't know right now if there's a more exciting division in boxing at the moment. The fights that that have been delivered to this point this year have been have all been great. Even with last night's Bellevue fight, uh, I mean, just they're they're delivering these slobber knockers, man. Yeah, they're just some of the funnest fights to to watch in boxing. And on top of that, you've just uh, dude, the top five, top six in the division, man. This is a top heavy division with guys that can punch. Yeah. Every single one of them has the, has the eliminator power. It's just a division that yeah, I, I can't wait to see how it plays out because look, right now you got Glavatsky, Hook, Lebedev, Usyk, Bellew, Gerard, who can't get in the ring, but he is good. Yeah, I mean, the division is loaded at the moment. It really is. The WBO has called for the purse bid yeah. for the fight that you and I have been looking forward to. Christoph Glavatsky, um, basically found out that Alexander Usyk was going to be his mandatory recovering from the injury from the Marco hook fight, decided to go ahead and take a, uh, an optional defense yeah. against Steve Cunningham, um, displayed just dominance in that fight, um, coming off of a, a, a huge win and impressive performance. And one of the fight of the year candidates from last year. Now Glavatsky and Usyk is going to bid. This fight is probably involving, in my opinion, I know our rankings right now, you just kind of shouted them off right there. On theboxingrant.com, Glavatsky, Hook, Lebedev, Usyk, Bellew, Drad, Kalenga, Makubu, Cunningham, and Ramirez. In my opinion, although that is where these fighters should be ranked based off of, in our opinion, um, recent events, based off of talent, all things considered, that is a very fair um, assessment, we think. This, in my opinion, though, Glavatsky versus Usyk, this fight is going to happen. And this, in my opinion, Vince, involves the two probably best all-around packages in the cruiserweight division squaring off. Not, I mean, Usyk has not proven yeah. that he is the best, but we believe that he will be the best. And what better way to prove that you're the best than beating who you and I think, Christoph Glavatsky, the best cruiserweight in the world. Yeah, I mean, look, with Usyk, you got the amateur pedigree to back it up. I mean, the guy's a, just a decorated amateur fighter. And you can just see. You, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes is just watching a guy and going, damn, that son of a bitch can fight. and He can box and he can fight. And Usyk right now, in my opinion, I mean, minus the fact that he's unproven, I, I think he's the best overall fighter in that division right now today at this moment yeah that's what i believe and i think i I think he's going to get rid of glavatsky in this fight and and glavatsky has proven over his last two or three fights that he is a beast and that left hand is something to be reckoned with but i'm sorry 
to me, uh, Usyk is above and beyond everybody in this division. I, I think he would be in for, don't get me wrong, he'd be in for really tough fights with, with Hook, Lebedev, and, and Glavatsky, but I think he's better than all of them. Yeah, so do I. Um, just the fact that this is going to happen makes me very happy, and this is at the top of the list for fights that I want to see in the cruiserweight division. And look, going back to Tony Bellew for a second, Bellew, uh, with the way things have been going over in the UK right now with all their title belts, they're having a lot of optional defenses against a lot of low-level opponents, just raking in the paydays and just, you know, showing their countrymen that they are champion. Um, But the WBC, I'd be concerned if this was the WBA or the WBO because they would probably let it post up for a minute Mm -hmm. and let Bellew get two or three fights under his belt. But Marco Hook will be named Tony Bellew's mandatory challenger. Yeah, and we'll see if that fight happens. I'm just going to say maybe he gets a – he's not going to fight a stiff, but I don't know if he's going to go for a hook right away. But I I also think that when it comes to Bellew, and I I think Bellew's good, but he's not – he doesn't quite belong up there with the the four names above him. Him and Hearn have got to go ahead and, I think, cash this gravy train out while they can. Yeah, because I don't think Bellew can beat Marco Hook. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I'm not seeing that at all. I think uh, Hook is way too big, Yeah, way too aggressive. Well, he would overpower Bellew. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah, you know, I get it. Hopefully it's just one fight and then we get that fight because if we get Bellew, Hook, Glavatsky, Usyk in the next year and there's plenty of other interesting matchups within the cruiserweight division, you mm-hmm. uh, you basically are, are are pitting two matchups, the two best fights you can pretty much make in the division, the two most exciting matchups you can make um, with four of the top five cruiserweights in the world. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where uh, Lebedev goes after after the picking up this the big IBF win, belt. big win. Yeah, huge huge win for impressive. Him. Yeah, I mean the guy just most impressive. <laughs> He he gets he seems to get better with age for some reason. I don't know what it is. Yeah, the guys continually just mowing through people and and really proving me wrong because i i would say three years ago i didn't think much of him and he's been dominating this division dude to to an extent dude when when dennis lebedev in his post fights is wearing that beret and and holding the belt he looks like he looks like the love child of popeye and sloth from the goonies or sergeant slaughter yes exactly (laughs) sergeant slaughter Oh, he man. looks like a G.I. Joe character. He does. <laughs> he does. Dennis Lebedev. Yeah, so the Cruiserweight division exciting. We love talking about it. Uh, more action on the horizon. Tony Bellew just made it that much more interesting. Golovsky versus Usyk uh, on the horizon. Uh, they have 30 days to negotiate, and it looks like they are targeting something in the late summer, so that'll be awesome. Looking forward to it, man. Add that one to the schedule. Yes. How do you think Golovsky would react? Because Usyk and K2 have made an offer to Golovsky's camp to have the fight in the Ukraine. How would Glavatsky react to that crowd, 15,000 strong in the Ukraine, going, Usyk, Usyk? Yeah, see, I, I don't know. We talked about it before. For any fighter, I think that's an advantage, man, when you got that crowd yeah. behind you like that. He hasn't had to fight. Dude, he, he basically is like, it's like fighting in, 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 in like little Poland yeah. when he fights at Barclays Center. Mm. I mean, the crowd for Glavatsky fights, oh, the yeah. crowd for Fonfara fights. Yep. Uh, they rage hard. The polls rage hard in Chicago and in New York. There's, they're, they're, aren't they considered the most passionate boxing fans in the world? That <laughs> According what? to Steve Farhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Farhood said he's like, yeah, I went to Poland one time, and they have the best fans in boxing. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> he went for like an amateur card or something like yeah. that, or like, uh, oh you man, saw, you saw a rowdy town village boxing card, huh? Yeah. Where everybody came to watch their sons and 
I mean, come on. Sell man. out 125. <laughs> okay, so there you have the cruiserweight division. Um, on the undercard, the Smith brothers in some gratuitous Smith action trying to put butts in the seats. Um, Stephen Smith versus Daniel Brizuela. Callum Smith against some small guy they found on the, on the, on the street corner selling apples. That might have been the biggest mismatch of the year. Dude, Callum Smith was like a foot taller than him. What a joke, man. I mean, I, I understand they want to get Callum Smith on the card because the, the casual boxing fan in the U.K., all it takes is a name for them. You know, they'll get behind anybody. It really doesn't matter who they're fighting with some of the fans over there. It's just, I mean, this was as bad as some of the PBC mismatches we've seen. Just gratuitous, unnecessary. I mean, I guess Callum Smith got work. I I don't know. Well, what's Callum Smith supposed to do? He doesn't want to lose his place in line in the WBC. He's the number one contender for Badoo Jack, but it looks like Badoo Jack and James DeGale are going to have a a unification which takes precedence over a mandatory. So Callum Smith, realistically, may not get his title shot against whoever holds the WBC belt. Hopefully for... I guess for the, uh, yeah, I honestly don't care because I don't get a cut of it. But in the UK, a DeGale Callum Smith fight would be huge if DeGale wins the WBC, has to face the mandatory in Callum Smith. But that's all fine and good. But when is this going to happen? Be- yeah. Because it, it, I think Callum Smith is going to continue to be on showcase cards against inferior opposition. And I can guarantee you what, regardless of how much we think of this kid, his pedigree, the fact that he is the best of the fighting Smiths, and that you and I believe he's a top four super middleweight in the world. It is not good for his career and nope. progression to take steps backwards on your way to your first title shot. No, you're just going to build bad habits in fights like that because you're going to get away with shit that you would never, ever get away with against the best. And either Badu Jack or James DeGale, whoever comes out victorious is more of an opponent than Callum Smith has ever sniffed in a boxing fight. Oh, by fight. a long shot. <clears throat> so for Callum Smith's sake, if I was in his corner, if I was his team, I would be trying to push the envelope on this mandatory as soon as possible, man, because that's, the, like you said, the last thing this kid needs to develop is bad habits. Yeah, and that's all that's going to happen, man. Paul Smith, he's back, Vince. He's back. Smiga. Zolt Dudas. <laughs> Look, man, Paul Smith is not world level. Stop. Stop with all the tweets. Paul Smith is world level. He's a top five. No, he's not. He's nothing. No, come on. He's a loud mouth rabble rouser from the United Kingdom who showed up 20 pounds overweight, fat and out of shape, and got the shit beat out of him by Andre Ward. Yep. He got pounded in two fights. I don't care how close you think they were. Arthur Abraham's right hand sent Paul Smith's career in a different direction. He's not back. He's not making a comeback. No. He's just making a little extra cache. It's a name. A little gratuitous cache. That's it. Yeah, like I said, there's a, you know, the UK boxing scene is blowing up right now. But uh, along with that, the mainstream, you know, kind of gathering that it's getting, you get the casuals, and to the casuals, Paul Smith is a name. The Smiths are all over he's Sky like, Sports. He's like the UK's version of Paulie Malinaji. Right. Is what he is. It's like, oh, that's the guy who announces all the fights. He's fighting. Right. I, I was just, you know, come on. I, good, good for Paul Smith. He's making some money, but come on, man. I this guy really. I mean. And did you hear even better with David Price, right? David Price has has is now look. David Price minus two positive steroids tests, his career might look completely different. Ah, come on. He fought a guy named Jackoff. It, it doesn't matter if the guy you fought took steroids. Uh, if you got a, if you got a soft chin, you got the Amir Khan syndrome. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, Dave David Price. If he ever fights. For a belt, it will be an opponent for somebody who's looking for a soft touch. He came in this fight like 25 <clears throat> pounds heavier than his last fight or something ridiculous. 20 pounds. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just not. Come on. Or, David Price will get knocked out 
by the top 10 in any uh, sanctioning body right now. Oh, those are serious, serious Beetlejuice head on that big body, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know if that picture's real that floats around. I, it seems fake. I've been told it's real. But my God, man, that is some funny shit. That jacket is about 18 sizes too big. Yes, it is. <laughs> 18 sizes too big. And I, it had to have been Photoshopped. I, I don't know, man. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, maybe somebody's trolling me. I don't know, but I think that shit's real. All right, so there you have it. We broke down the cruiserweight division. We brought you the post fight of Tony Bellew. Big win over Makubu. Third round knockout. And uh, a little bit of uh, just fun here with the, with Team Smith on the uh, gratuitous undercard. David Price, he's back! Paul Smith, he's back! <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> All right, Vin, another sentiment to the state of Boxing today, Jesus. Sugar Shane Mosley back in the ring against David of Avanisian, the WBA interim welterweight title. This was somehow going to position Shane Mosley for a mandatory with champion Keith Thurman. CBS Sportsnet, Glendale, Arizona. Mosley got beat. He did, man. Plain and simple. I mean, look, the guy, he's done. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. You have nothing left to prove in your career. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer already. The fact that he's fighting for a belt, again, like you just said, it just and the WBA, one of their what? Their five belts that they have? Ten? What do they have? Twelve belts now? Uh, Seventeen. Seventeen? Yeah. Okay, so he's fighting for the 15th version of that belt in that yeah. weight class. I mean, it, this it, is the inner, interim intergalactic yes. spinner belt. Yes, the uh, supercalifragilistic interim WBA belt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, look, Avanasian. Plain and simple, beat him. Mosley just doesn't have anything left in the tank. He couldn't pull the trigger late. Uh, 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 he just got beat. He got backed up towards the end of the fight, got caught a lot. Avanasian just outworked him. Outworked him, period. Plain and simple. So is, is Mosley going to keep fighting? Is, are, 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 are we looking at a future showdown? He says he doesn't need money, but I, I, I beg to differ on that one. I really do. Yeah. Um. There's no reason for this. What if you have money? What are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I, you're I, you're not your career is not going to have a rebirth at 45 years old or 44, whatever he is. Yeah, are we going to see Vin? Like, is this like the only thing that makes sense to where this could possibly lead? Mosley coming off of a loss and still having this dream would be. Are we going to see Mosley versus Margarito? <laughs> are we? I mean, when you say that, it's kind of hard to not want to see that fight. Even though, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, the way that Mosley just destroyed him, which let's be honest, I, I mean, I I don't want to throw shade on Mosley's career, but I, I think there's a pretty clear point in time where everybody kind of thinks that the chain was on the juice, and I think that may have been one of those fights because that performance, there there's nobody nobody that mowed through Margarito like Mosley did. I mean, just absolutely pounded him to submission. There was something you. Nobody called that going into that fight. No. You no. might have thought Mosley was going to win, but th to do it in that fashion, hell no. Well, if Mosley does fight again, that's the fight I want to see. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> okay, let's stop it after that. All right, let's go to Glasgow, Scotland. Michelle DiRocco versus Ricky Burns for the WBA regular junior senior middle school welterweight <laughs> title. <laughs> Ricky Burns is back! <laughs> He wants Crawford again, man. Friends, friends, friends. Friends in Scotland, United Kingdom. 
friends in the United States. Ricky Burns is not back. Ricky Burns has had a good, tough career. Ricky Burns is a tough son of a bitch. Michelle DiRocco is as regular as the WBA junior weight welterweight <laughs> title. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I think it was proven in this fight that DiRocco had nothing. No. There's no reason for him to have even been in this fight. And whether this is a gift title to Ricky Burns, at least he's a guy that, you know, you can go, dude's been in some tough fights. I guess he's kind of earned it to a, to a certain respect, but you're you're right. It's still Ricky Burns. I mean, God loved the guy. Yeah. But He's not going to beat the top five in the division. He's just not. Look, the only reason for this fight and the result of this fight um, allowed for the reason to take place was a reason, an excuse, which I don't think they need many in Glasgow no. to throw down and party um, to celebrate a sports guy, one of their own. Yeah. You know, Ricky Burns has had a good career. And uh, he's given them reason to be proud and a reason to drink after the victory against Michelle. Hey, that's all it takes is a good reason to get them to drink over there, baby. They'll yeah. love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's jump into some previews. Uh, this Saturday night, June 4th, then the reason why we are here 50 minutes into this show, HBO boxing after dark, the StubHub center, Carson, California, back in the spotlight. Once again, um, this is not Berto Ortiz too. This is not, um, a sideshow circus to fill airwaves. This is a battle of two fighters, one in Francisco Vargas, who is coming off of an absolute memorable comeback, one of the great comebacks in recent boxing history against uh, Miura, squaring off against what every Mexican fight fan wishes that their favorite Mexican fighter would fight like in Orlando Salido, a battle of two action fighters, different points in their careers. A lot of questions here to be answered. I will ask a few. Orlando Salido. Vince, Orlando Salido, is this the fight that he finally falls off the cliff after years and years, especially over the last four or five years, of repetitive fight of the year candidates year after year? Will he finally, this warrior at his age, with his experience and the poundings he's delivered and taken, will he finally fall off the cliff? And in the same breath, did the beating that Vargas took from Mayora take anything away from him that would allow Salido to exploit it? Two questions to be asked by two fighters that love to fight. Yeah, I mean, look, when it comes to Salido, you got to think, you know, at, at 35 years old and, and the wars he's been in, the tread's got to be wearing thin. It, yeah, you have to think that. It, it has to be. Eventually, it's going to happen. We have seen absolutely no drop-off in the last three fights from him. He has been, uh, dare I say, even more aggressive than he's been when he was younger. I mean, he's... You can argue that for sure. Yeah, the guy's motor is unbelievable. And for Vargas, yeah, you know, this is a very tough fight to follow up what was the fight of the year in in a fight that he took the bigger shots. And even though he won, I think most people think he took worse punishment. Yeah, he took a beating in that fight. In that fight. I, I, I... I'm surprised that he was able to come back and take a fight as tough as this fight is going to be in Salido. Uh, if he survives this, uh, if Vargas survives this fight and, and ends up stopping Salido or even beating him, I mean, this guy just has staked his claim atop the junior lightweight division right now, for sure. Absolutely. The WBC junior lightweight champion, Francisco Vargas, like you said, 2015 fight of the year, Vargas versus Mayora. Uh, Takashi Miura brought... The thunder to Vargas. I mean, it was a mini Manny Pacquiao renaissance, the way that he was just bringing 
that left. I mean, it was it was oh, it was deadly. Brutal. It was brutal. Francisco Vargas basically had nothing left in his corner. His his corner told him this is it. He came out to answer the bell in that final round before he stopped Takashi Maiora, beaten, battered, and with a look of determination on his face. And I could tell just by looking at him. I looked at him and I said, Vargas is going to do something here. And he came out with a thunder, finished Maiora, and now faces fellow countryman Orlando Salido. You can't say enough about this guy's ruggedness, his reputation. What will happen in this fight? I'll tell you what I know will happen in this fight. This fight will be a fight of the year candidate. This is can't miss. This is two fighters that you hope you, for the fans' sake, you hope that, you know Orlando Salido will bring it. You just hope that this isn't the fight that he falls off the cliff because if he is able to deliver the performances that we've seen recently against the likes of Rocky Martinez Mm -hmm. and he can bring that against Vargas, Vargas Salido will be a candidate for fight of the year. I love this fight, WBC Junior Lightweight Championship on the line. And what's even more interesting is, is it looks like the winner of this fight will fight the winner of Vasily Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez. That's an interesting foursome right there. Yeah, that's a that's a dynamite like a uh, final four for a division just sure. to set up a little mini tournament. You couldn't ask for a better four and, and get more action in either one of those matchups. I, I think we know Lomachenko was out to avenge the loss to the 180 pound Salido. <laughs> <laughs> the his, one that was punching him in the nuts all night. <laughs> in his second fight as a pro, I mean, he just got steamrolled by a huge guy. Uh, look, I, you could Vargas Lomachenko, Salido Lomachenko, mix it up however you want. I don't think Rocky Martinez comes out of that Lomachenko fight even close. to. I think he's going he's gonna to catch himself a beatdown yeah. in that fight. Yeah. Um, Vargas Salido, what's your prediction? It's, it's a tough, tough call. And I, to me, I think Vargas had a little bit taken away from him in that fight against Muir, and I think that's going to come into play, and I think Salido is going to wear him down and stop him in the 10th round. A Salido upset. A Salido upset, yes. Wow, I, I wow. I think the old man's got enough tread left on the tires. Mm, mm. He can dig deep, and I think Vargas may have had a little beaten out of him in the last fight. Hard to argue, but I will. <laughs> I like Francisco Vargas in this fight, Then I like him to knock the last remaining link of the, uh, the tread and I would consider it to be uh, tank tread on Orlando Salido. And I think Vargas, a little bit too much, a little bit too athletic, little, uh, a little longer, uh, brings some really nice straight punches. And I think Vargas is going to land being the more, uh, I guess, probably well-rounded, all-around fighter, a little bit more athletic. If he's in shape for this, Orlando Salido will bring hell. Mm-hmm. But I think Vargas will be the one to send Salido into the next realm of his career. An eliminator, a knockout. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? However, it ends. I, I see Vargas stopping Salido with just a barrage. Yeah, it's going to take a barrage. I don't see one punch putting him to sleep unless he unless he's completely worn down late in the fight. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I can see anybody picking both sides. This is a fight you're going to want to have action on if you oh, are yeah. a betting man. Um, it's going to be all action from the stub up center. Okay, look, co feature. We've been talking about last year, and you know what? I was actually looking at this in my notes. I keep notes on. On, on, on top prospects, and mm-hmm. I begin to compile uh, a prospect list leading into the end of the year when we do our next list. Right. I erased eight of our top ten from last year. They are no long, They are all either contenders or champions now. That means we're picking them right, buddy. Picking them right, indeed. Indeed. Um, Julian Ramirez entered into our very first prospect list two years ago. Um, 
the very first one we did here on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. He came in at number 10. Then a lot of guys really had huge years, kind of progressed faster than Julian. Julian was having a hard time. Got injured. Yeah, staying in the ring. Um, fights getting canceled because he was getting sick. Whatever it was, now Julian Ramirez back on the right path. And this fight, much in the, in, in the same line of young featherweight prospects of the likes of Jojo Diaz and Oscar Valdez, stepping up, taking huge catapulting, uh, catapulting leaps into the status of contender, perhaps mandatories. Julian Ramirez, little delayed, was on trekking the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't put him at the same level as a Valdez or a Jojo Diaz, but what Julian Ramirez has is ultimate bloodline pedigree. And what Julian Ramirez does is he grinds. He has amazing footwork. His accuracy could could look to improve. Yeah. Um, but he fights in volume, and he's there, and he will try to wear your ass down. But the guy he's coming in against, probably at the same level in his career, a much different fighter, Abraham Lopez, an all-action, aggressive, yeah. looking for the finish, Abraham Lopez. He fights very inconsistently. He fights in spurts, but when he fights in spurts, they come in three or four rounds, and he brings the thunder. This will be an enormous test for both fighters, and the winner of this fighter, I mean, the winner of this fight is, I mean, the loser of this fight is not eliminated from the conversation of top featherweight prospects, but the winner of this fight enters into the same conversation, at least as Jojo Diaz and Oscar Valdez. Absolutely. I think this is – I give Golden Boy credit for making this matchup, pairing two, two they didn't prospects. Have to, you know, they did not have to make no, this. No, absolutely not. And, I, you know, I wonder – we've heard Abraham Lopez here lately. You know, he had the layoff, and he came back, and he's won a few fights, and he's starting to get like, hey, let's speed this up. I know I was off, but I, let's, I want to get up there. I want to be making money. I want, to, I want the big fights. I, I think in this, this fight has the, the, the potential to be great. For two of the things that you mentioned, Lopez is a wild card, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he will take chances in a fight. And it may not look pretty at times. I mean, he's a little wild, a little out of control. But the guy can, can, can hit you and hurt you. Yeah, he can crack. Yeah. And, and, and then you got Julian Ramirez, who has become just this slick boxer, man. I mean, he kind of lacks the power that Lopez has. It's not like Lopez has, you know, the best power in the world. But Ramirez is a notch below that. But I think he's the much more well-rounded boxer. This could be a very, very interesting fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good fight. Yeah, I do. I do, too. Um, I couldn't ask for a better co-feature to Vargas Salido than two of Golden Boy's top prospects. And El Camarón, Julian Ramirez, um, he will not relent. He will be there the entire fight. I've always felt, and I know we've talked to Julian before, and, and you know he's always said that junior featherweight is something that he would strive to because, you know, obviously he wouldn't say it or he didn't say it to us, but we believe that his power would be, would benefit fighting at 122. Yeah. But the truth is, is that he is a much more physical fighter at 126 pounds. And I know it's only four pounds, but when, you know, these guys don't have much margin of error because these guys are small. Abraham Lopez, on the other hand, is a pretty big featherweight. Oh yes, he is. Look, you ask a guy to lose four pounds when they're already that small. I mean, that's a, 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 percentage of their body weight yeah that would be much higher than me or you trying to lose four pounds sure who do you pick el camaron julian ramirez versus abraham lopez you know what i think ramirez is a good enough boxer to avoid the the wildness of of lopez at times and i think he'll box his way to a fairly not wide but he'll he'll win a 116 112 card 
You know what? I'm thinking along the same lines just because I feel like Julian Ramirez is the kind of fighter, even if he's in tough, he does enough to win rounds. Yeah. And he's the kind of fighter that banks rounds yeah, just on activity. Got the movement. jab out there all the time. Exactly. Um, and I don't know if Abraham Lopez can hurt him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, right. he does have power, but Abraham Lopez, he's also in, in fighting Julian Ramirez. This is the best fighter he's ever fought. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, big fight, big step up for two featherweight golden boy prospects, Julian Ramirez, Abraham Lopez, King Gabe Rosado makes a return and he's squared off against Antonio Gutierrez. And I'm glad that he is because Gabe Rosado, um, hasn't won in a while and, uh, needs a, uh, just, he does, if anybody deserves a soft touch, it's a guy that has been in the ring and done the things and given the effort and sacrificed himself, balls to the wall, dare mm-hmm. to be great style. Whatever you want to say about Gabe Rosado and his record, and oh, he's lost, and oh, you're overrating him, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We're not, we're not even rating him. I'm not rating him. What I'm saying is Gabe Rosado has iron nuts, and Gabe Rosado dares to be great. Regardless of how flawed he is, he'll never be the best. If more fighters put forth the effort of Ga- like Gabe Rosado, boxing would be in a much better place. And let's be honest, regardless of uh, Gabe Rosado deserves a soft touch, like I just said. Mm-hmm. But this is a fight card full of fighters that love to fight. It just makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great card, entertaining from, from top to bottom. Uh, look, what I'd say about Rosado is this, man. It, you know, you, say, you can say what you want about him, like you said. He's not the greatest in the world. But what's made this guy what he is and why, why he's still relevant is the guy takes beatings and keeps coming. Yeah. He keeps coming. He's not a guy that... He didn't quit against Golovkin. No. Referees stop fights for him because he gets... I mean, the guy gets cut up horribly. 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 Normally, every fight you see with him, he's going to be bleeding all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good card. Uh, Vargas versus Salido, Ramirez, Lopez, Rosado back in action. StubHub Center, HBO Boxing After Dark. And be sure to tune in for... The fight coverage, the boxing rant live. Yes, Vince sir. and I will return to call the entire card from HBO Boxing After Dark. I don't, we don't know if they're televising all three. We'll definitely get, uh, um, we'll probably more than likely just do the fight calls for Ramirez, Lopez, and Vargas Salido. Yeah. More than likely. But tune into the boxing rant live as we bring you the live fight discussion as we discuss the fights as they are live in action. Look for the links on theboxingrant.com and spreaker.com. Search for the tale of the tape. The return of Artur Baturbiev, PBC on NBC, Montreal, Canada. Then Baturbiev has been out of the spotlight for quite a while. Yes. And I guarantee you most people have forgotten about him except for the diehards. Yeah, look, and this guy, I mean, was on a meteoric rise and steamrolling guys. Maybe not in the prettiest fashion, maybe a little too aggressive, uh, you know, just kind of a freight train that comes forward with these straight punches and just will not stop. I think he's better suited when he slows down a little bit. And we've seen him, we saw him try to start doing that in these fights before he got injured. I'd like to see where he's at now. He's at a nice long break. I I think this guy's going to have to be reckoned with here in the next year. Yeah, I do too. This is just a tune-up. Put them on TV. Let them just destroy somebody. Yep. Uh, that's pretty much what this is. So, <clears throat> not much to say here. We look forward to what happens next, though. Yeah. Um, Liam Smith versus Pedrag Radosevich. Hey, man. Line them up and set them up and knock them down for the Smith brother here. This guy's like got thirty fights and ten knockouts. <laughs> Pedrag does. Yeah. yeah. Where where Eddie dug this guy up, didn't he? No, I think Liam's with Warren. 
Oh, that's right. He is. Yeah. You're well, right. Well, the, the Warren Boxing uh, Organization. You're exactly right. How could I forget? Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's easy to forget. Yeah. Um, no, man. I mean, dude, they will tee this up all day long. This is the kind of opponent they want because they know Liam Smith is flawed. Because if he wasn't, he'd be getting in a much harder than a guy that nobody's ever heard of. Some, something tells me a Liam Smith-Miguel Cotto fight is coming down the line here. Oh, Cotto will destroy him. Oh, absolutely. All right, Friday, we backtrack one day, but this is kind of where this fight's at um, on the list. <laughs> PBC on Spike, Hollywood, Florida. Rancis Barfellamy takes on Mickey Bay. Awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Mickey Bay, was it his lifelong dream to become a world champion? Because when he beat Miguel Vasquez and became the champion, um, he didn't want to travel to China, so he vacated his belt, and we haven't heard from him since. It's been about a year and a half. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about him. And so now he's getting a title shot against Rancis Barfelmi, which is fine. I mean, he vac- look, he, he relinquished his belt, so he probably shouldn't fall down in the standings that far right. for it. But this is gratuitous PBC on Spike, um, uh, TMT Mayweather card, Mickey Bay getting in the ring with Barfelmi. Barfelmi's probably going to destroy him. Mickey Bay has heart. Mickey Bay fights hard. Um, he has a very basic, simple style. He's effective. He's, yeah. al- he's always competitive in fights that he's involved in. But this is a very, very uh, glaring example of a guy that is very content on just getting by. Yeah, just cash and checks. Uh, and I think Bartholomew's just the, the way better fighter way, all around. Way better fighter. Yeah. Way better fighter. Caleb Plant back in action. Looking forward to uh, old Caleb. Old, old whipping Nene. <laughs> that guy's a fucking joker, man. Oh, but uh, eyes will be on um, the Baltimore prospect, Gervonta Davis, who has... Uh, moved well into position in the top 10 prospects in boxing. Yes. Exciting. Um, came out and fought how we hoped he would in uh, uh, in the aftermath of a performance that kind of left us wanting as he tried to impersonate Floyd Mayweather. Came out and fought a hard, hard-fought, decisive, dominant, explosive victory. Yes. Squares off in a, you know, just another fight along the line. Uh, maybe one day they'll get him a shot here. Mario Macias, Ro Roscoe, not O Roscoe, like Ro-Ro. Ro Roscoe, um, <laughs> Davis should blast them out. But if you get a chance to tune in, this is the only time I'll tell you to tune into a PPC card. Check out Gervonta Davis. Yeah, I was going to say, my, my watching of that card will go like this. I will watch Gervonta Davis, <laughs> and then I will probably step away from the television. <laughs> and that'll be it. And track the other fights on Twitter or read about them later. Yeah, or probably just forget what I was doing and stare off into space. Exactly. It's uh, that easy. That easy. News and notes, Deontay Wilder has been granted a voluntary defense in the wake of Alexander Povetkin pissing hot for meldonium A and B samples, both pissed positive. So now that he gets a freebie, the first thing published on ESPN.com was is that Chris Ariola is at the top of the list for possible opponents. And if, I, my, if my memory serves me correctly, was it you on the last show or the show when we talked about the, the uh, fight being postponed that said that, oh, watch, Ken, it'll probably be Chris Ariola. Oh, they'll dig, they'll dig up old cheese nips. They'll tell them to put down the taco. Chris nips. Put down the taco. Put down the modelo. Get you a couple weeks in the gym. Mm-hmm. And come on, get knocked out, and we'll, we'll slide you a nice old check. Oh, man. Ustinov also being mentioned. It's going to be Ariola. Let's be honest. They're they're trying. They're throwing Ustinov out there like that's going to gain some type of like. Hey, we tried to get a good, uh, one guy that was decent. No, dude, you know, come on. We see through this shit. That's bullshit. He's fighting Ariola. Awesome. Yeah. And if he ain't fighting Ariola, he's fighting Gerald Washington because guess who just snuck in to the top fifteen? Oh, guess who's ranked number fifteen? Well, he deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Andre Ward versus Nathan Cleverly. Mm. Fight in talks for uh, late July, a tune-up before Kovalev. Ward versus Cleverly, an unnecessary fight. But I will say this, Nathan Cleverly uh, showed some balls against Andrew Funfara. And if he shows those same balls against Andre Ward, he might be able to touch Ward up a little bit before he gets knocked out. Yeah, I, I think he proved in that last fight Cleverly did with Fonfara that he at least has, he's got the gas left in the tank to provide challenges for anybody. He's, he may end up being a gatekeeper in the division at this point in time, but this is good work for Andre Ward. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, Cleverly's not great, but he will give you good work. Yeah, it'll give him good work. It's a tune-up. Uh, Kovalev, Chalemba, Andre Ward, Nathan Cleverly. Looks like that's going to happen. Um, as they uh, look to leave us on a collision course for hopefully November. And, uh, man, that might be my first trip to Vegas. Really? If it's in Vegas. If it's in New York, I'm going. Period. Yeah, if it's in New York, I'm going. I don't know about Vegas. We'll see. I know you're traveling to this one. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. Danny Jacobs versus Sergio Mora, too, looks to be inevitable. Oh, as God. they could not get a deal done with Andy Lee. That's the fight that we had announced originally mm-hmm. when breaking the story about Santa Cruz versus Frampton. Then we don't need to say too much about this. We've already said it. Danny Jacobs, paper champion, Sergio Mora, too. I want to see this like I want hemorrhoids, my friend. <laughs> I can't argue that. I mean, we already saw it once. I just don't. Sergio Mora has no business, you know, being in, in, a, in a fight there where he could win and get a shot at a legitimate title. I mean, come on. And, and what's sad what, that what are we doing? What does that say about Danny Jacobs, though? Sergio Mora's knees are. They're, about, they're replacement parts. They're aftermarket parts. His knees are gone. How about Sergio Mora dropped him, and Sergio Mora he drops did. nobody? No. No, he does not. Nope. Um, Chris Eubank Jr., Arislan Lara are in the fray as more paper opponents calling out Gennady Golovkin. We already talked about Laura um, and, and, and those hollow attempts. Chris Eubank Jr., what is up with this guy? This guy is fucking bipolar. I mean... Dude, he has been he's he's f- hired and fired promoters for like his last four fights. Now he's back with Matchroom, right? S- signs another contract with them. Now he's calling out Golovkin, and then after he calls out Golovkin, he says, "I'll be ready for Golovkin in three fights." And then the next day says, "I want Golovkin now. Get him for me." Can you imagine dealing with him and his father in a meeting as as being a promoter for that guy? Oh, absolutely not. I, I, I'd have to send my assistant. I, I couldn't deal. I, I'm just, I'm sorry, man. You're starting to hear these, these, this news trickle out about how, you know, he hurt the kid Blackwell in their last fight and put him in the coma. And, you know, he, he was being very gratuitous and very, you know, being acting like he was felt very sorry. And then you hear Blackwell come out after he gets out of the hospital and says, my family begged them to not go on TV and do an interview while I was still in the hospital. But what do they do? The Eubanks, they go against those wishes. They go on TV to get their faces out there and say how sorry they are. I've said it before. I think the Eubanks, both of them to me, Eubank and Eubank Jr., father and son, I'm sorry, man. I think they're kind of pieces of shit, and they get on my goddamn nerves. And on top of the fact that I don't think the kid's very good, I really don't. Yeah. He's just one of those fighters to me that he's just – Drives me nuts, man. Yeah. Then call, you know, call his bluff, put him in the ring. Yeah. I'll take Golovkin Eubank next. Golovkin will knock him out in two rounds. <laughs> okay, let's not beat the dead horse too much. Let's close the show with a question. I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Then, 
we stand here now, I guess, two weeks after the vacation of the WBC middleweight title by Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Where we stand today, after everything that's unfolded, the aftermath, everything that we've seen take place in the last two weeks since Canelo won his fight against Amir Khan, where does Canelo Alvarez's reputation stand today? Uh, it's taken a serious, serious hit. And I, I've been called out for being a Canelo blowhard. I, I, I guess so. I, I don't know. I've, got, I've called the guy the first Mexican diva in, in the history of boxing. So if you want to call me, that's fine. I, I, I respect the, what the kid's done in his career up to this point. But, but what he's doing right now, and, and basically in a landscape of boxing where people are not accepting the bullshit anymore, yeah. especially the diehards. They're tired of it. Like I spoke to when we started this episode, mm-hmm. it's the same type of shit I'm speaking about. He, this, there's no reason for him to do this. I understand he dropped the belt for negotiation purposes just to get the upper hand and get 70% or 65% or whatever he wants out of this cut. But come on, man. Come on. Don't, if, if this fight doesn't happen now, which I know a lot of people are, are going to be pissed about, and I am to a certain extent, but as long as I know that it is coming in May, next May, I'm not going to be that mad about it. I'm really not. Yeah, and you're going to question what Canelo's done to this point. He's fought everybody. Yeah, he's fought tough fights. He's 25 years old. I'm not saying cut him a break. It pisses me off too. But it ain't the end of the world. If you look at the history of boxing, we've seen scenarios that get dragged on much, much further and are way more annoying. I agree with you. I, I I have the same perspective and opinion about that I feel like this will happen down the road and, and that's fine. I do want to exercise patience. Like I, I said on the last show in the yeah, wake of the immediacy. Of it. No, it's not necessarily dead, but here's the one thing in, in hindsight, kind of reading back through everything and evaluating this. The one thing that does stand out for me is Canelo was so emphatic talking shit after the fight. Oh yeah. Saying, well, you know, we'll take on anybody, blah, 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 whatever, you know, and talking big and tough. Then he vacates the belt and then his excuse for vacating the belt was that he wasn't going to be held to any imaginary deadline. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's why that was probably the most retarded thing that Canelo could have said. Because guess what? You knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You knew about these deadlines a long time ago when you yeah. sat down with K2, Golden Boy and K2, Canelo and Golovkin's representative sat at the table with the WBC, and they agreed to have an interim bout and then go into negotiations. So for him to say that, oh, he, he doesn't have to be beholden to these, you know, to these deadlines, well, guess what? You agreed to these deadlines. Yeah. So now you're backing out on your agreement, which that is the part that I do understand the loud, obnoxious fervor from both sides of the camp, from Canelo losing respect to Golovkin's fans calling Canelo out to Canelo being super defensive. At the end of the day, they knew what they were getting into. They backed out of the deal that they made with the Golovkin. The deadline that they knew that was going to happen, they acted like it was some gigantic inconvenience that was randomly sprung on them, and it wasn't. No, no. you can't. I mean, come on. They, they, it makes them look like, like a total idiot. This was, the, this was set into motion months and months and months ago. They've known it's coming. So, yeah, you're right. That's complete bullshit excuse. And as far as him getting in the ring and, and, and being, you know, acting tough and saying he, he's not scared of anybody, I'll fight Golovkin right now. I'm not, I'm done. I'm not going to fall for it anymore. <laughs> and if you do, you, you're a retard. What a fighter says in the ring, on the mic, after a fight, you might as well just ball it up and wipe your ass with it because <laughs> it means nothing. Take the transcript, ball it up, 
take it in the bathroom when you take a shit next time and wipe with it. Because I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's just repeated horse shit from every fighter after a fight. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, whether the fight happens in the future or not, I don't know. Canelo has taken a pounding for doing this. Look, if they wanted to throw boxing fans in the media for a loop to give them more time to marinate the fight, if it's eventually going to happen, they could have handled this much differently. Yes. And they could have handled it by not coming out and saying, I'm not going to be held to these deadlines that I already agreed to. That was the dumbest thing they could have said. If they wanted to throw people off track to give them more of a cushion leading into this fight to delay it even further. And that an excuse people would have accepted was that they are in the courtroom right now with all-star boxing, who is suing golden boy and accusing them of stealing Canelo a year into a four year contract. Yeah. They're doing that right now. They could say that we can't do anything. We can't negotiate with anybody until this is taken care of. And guess what? People would not have reacted to Canelo the way that they did. He could have been like, well, the deadline is here to vacate. And we right now are, are in court and in trial. So, if they're going to strip, I'm going to go ahead and vacate. And once this trial is open, we'll get back to negotiations. The reputable boxing media reported this, but yeah. it got overshined by what Canelo was saying in the aftermath. He basically took a dump on late groundwork that was there for him to hide behind. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and to a certain extent, I think that Oscar probably thought that maybe the WBC won't hold me to this. Maybe because they got their star, they got their cash cow with their with the green belt. Get some Adonis Stevenson treatment? Yeah, that I could, I could get a few before they force me into it. Well, the WBC has called their bluff. They want this fight. They're not, I mean, Triple G has been what? The mandatory for a year for the WBC belt? Yeah. It's not longer? I, I don't even know. Yeah, but, ever since he, he, he won the Mexican style card. Yeah, I, I think Oscar might have thought he could have got away with it for a little while, and it's not going to happen. So again, yes, that you know the way it's played out. It's unless they take it, unless they make this fight this year, he's going to get destroyed. I'm not going to be the guy that jumps on and, and burns the guy, burns the guy down to the ground and completely destroys what he's done. But yeah, it's it's annoying. It's boxing right now. It's this is what we fucking get. Yeah, and this if this turns into a, uh, I I don't foresee. The Tom Loeffler K two Golovkin side allowing this to become no um, a a Pacquiao Mayweather situation no um, they'll move on yeah and they've already said they're fighting in September regardless yeah and they should if they don't get the fight by next May in my opinion they already have the belt so fuck them yeah move on move up I don't know what, what does Canelo have was the, he going to drop back down to one fifty four yeah but the problem is is that Triple G doesn't have any other options because there's nobody at at one sixty eight that adds anything to his resume or is a big fight at all. No, you're right. DeGale in the UK, maybe. Eh, maybe, but that's a stretch. He's not gonna get the money that he that he would fighting DeGale as he's going to fighting Canelo. And that that's where he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because of that. There's nobody out there for him. No, no, there's not. So that's where we stand today. I mean, it is uh, June is here. Yeah. Um, the holiday weekend. I hear they had a holiday over in the UK, as I uh, embarrassingly found out. Um, yeah, yeah, they do have fights on Sunday in the yeah, UK. Yeah. yeah, man. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Canelo, Golovkin, we will wait and see. And uh, we'll wait and see what happens in boxing. We started off the show, episode 118, um, with a nice long rant for everybody. If you didn't uh, get a chance to check it out, check it out again. Um, that's where boxing is today. Uh, Tony Bellew delivering cruiserweight division, heating up. Vargas Salido coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Weekend after that, Lomachenko versus uh, Rocky Martinez, Provodnikov versus Molina Jr. We'll have it all covered. And um, we hope you tune in this Saturday. 
as Vince and I go live for the Boxing Rant Live Vargas Salido fight card. If you haven't tuned into it yet, go to Spreaker.com, search for the tail of the tape, and some recent uh, live broadcasts of the Boxing Rant Live are available for you to listen to, get the vibe of what goes on. If you want an alternative to having to hear the same uh, corporate mumbo-jumbo hype jobs that uh, are constantly announcing fights, tune in to us if you're interested to hear what we have to say on Vargas Salido. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but Ken and Vin, better than Lampley and Roy. Uh, I mean, it's as simple as that. No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. And we'll do it for half the price. You know what we'll I mean? We'll do it for free, baby. Not, well, hey, man. <laughs> man, if they're listening, eh, now yeah. we're screwed. Hey, I'm sorry. Nah, that's all right. I cost us. Yeah. Oh, well. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. <laughs> or, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. All right, let's leave them right there on episode 118. We appreciate all you taking time out of your busy schedules once again to join us. Episode 118, Ben, in the books. Yes, sir. We'll be back next week with episode 119 as we bring you the post-fight of Vargas versus Salido in a preview of Lomachenko versus Martinez, Provodnikov versus Molina Jr., and much, much more. But that'll do it for episode 118 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts. You've been listening to the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. And I'm joined, as always, by the man with the plan and the man with the rant, <laughs> Vince Cummings. Follow him on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81. We'll see you next week for episode 119. Tune in on theboxingrant.com or on Spreaker.com for the live broadcast of Vargas Salido on The Boxing Rant Live. Subscribe to the Tale of the Tape on iTunes today, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, and, of course, The Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Subscribe, join the conversation, come to The Boxing Rant YouTube channel and talk the sweet science. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.